1: from Castro Valley, California. Where I'm sitting in the Castro Valley Inn. One of the few places you can rent a room in the Bay Area for a hundred dollars a night or less. Holy shit is it hard to get a room in this area. I tried to get two places on Airbnb. The first place, the woman had a big tent in her backyard with a double bed in the tent and down comforter fifty bucks a night. In El Cerrito, it looked pretty good to me, so I went for it, and then she wrote to me a day later saying that there had been a windstorm and her tent blew away, so sorry, no room for you at the inn. Then I applied for this other, applied, I clicked, you know, I requested a booking at this other place, funky little guest house in the backyard of uh, Berkeley thing, and uh and then that fell through and so then it was 24 hours i got to find a place and i looked on yelp and TripAdvisor and all those places and they directed me to the castro valley inn which is essentially uh a motel six that's a little less skeezy than a motel six and it's still hundred bucks a night and it's like 45 minute drive from the city what the fuck bay area Anyway, i um, I recorded a podcast last night with a guy. His podcast, actually, um, really nice guy. Who I'll uh, I'll tell you about that podcast when it goes out. He's a Silicon Valley, one of these Silicon Valley millionaires. I assume uh, he made a bunch of money, started some companies, sold them, and now he lives in this beautiful house uh, in Mill Valley. And it was really nice. We we did the podcast, and then he had a, set up a cocktail party, and all, a bunch of his friends came over. Really interesting crowd of people, and it was it was great. It was like really nice cocktails named after concepts from Sex at Dawn. I had a Darwinie. There were a couple other. There were sperm winners and. Um, I don't know, keep your hands off the nanny and all these clever names for the cocktails. But uh, I liked the Darwinie so much, I just, um, I stuck with those, had had a few of them. And they were very dangerous because you don't taste the alcohol. And then suddenly, oh my. Um, But I didn't really, it didn't really kick in until I was talking to this guy at the party who... uh, well, he's a, All these people are in startups and, you know, making tons of money. And they're all super high IQ, really interesting people. And this guy um, had apparently he said he was an investor, but he looked to be like 35 years old or something. And so, he, you know, he's just one of these super smart people who have been here and figured, you know, made some good moves and made a bunch of money. And anyway, now he's making another good move, which is. He's uh, all about marijuana, and but like really, on a molecular level, trying to figure out. He, he said something about his company was, it was about mood adjustment or mood en- enhancement or something about that. And anyway, he's he's doing all this stuff with um, very. High powered marijuana and, and using, you know, the terpenes to combine them with the CBD and the THC and the this and the that and I don't know uh, beyond my com- comprehension. And he had a vape and he and his girlfriend were hitting the vape and they offered it to me and I thought, well, they've been hitting this thing the whole time I've been standing here. So I took a hit and um, holy shit. Holy mother of Christ, that blew my fucking head off so i don't know when a when a you know high-tech startup entrepreneur offers you a hit off his vape at a party in mill valley beware that's my advice just beware uh, especially if you've had a Darwinian or three this episode is with the great susie bright she is legendary I hope she doesn't mind me saying that because she's not really old enough to be considered legendary. But she has been around for a while at the cutting edge of the sort of sex positive, intellectual, feminist, you know, nobody has anything to be ashamed of movement that's been happening, you know, since the 60s off and on. Not that she was, you know, up and running in the 60s. But um, she started a magazine, I think it was called On Our Backs. It was a lesbian, um, sex positive magazine out of the Bay Area, I believe, in the 80s, I'm going to say. Um, she talks about all the timing. She's from La- the Los Angeles area originally. She's living in Santa Cruz now. And uh, Cassie and I stopped in there not too long ago and visited with her and recorded this podcast. She's, she's a character, She's a real character. When Sex at Dawn came out, she wrote to me. I think she invited me on her podcast. Um, It's called In Bed with Susie Bright she invited me on the podcast and uh, we chatted and had a really great time and she then sent me an email saying you know if you're ever on a book tour or whatever you're passing through santa cruz make sure you stop i'd love to meet you in person you know i know what it's like to be on a tour and you don't know anyone and and it's exhausting and you'd be you know i promise we'll make you comfortable here so i did i dropped in not so much because you know i I mean, I was happy to camp out or get a room or whatever, but it was just to meet Susie Bright. I'd read several of her books. I had them on my bookshelf at home. Um, so I was taking advantage of the opportunity to meet this woman. And I knocked on the door. She came to the door and I think of the World Series was playing and she's really into baseball. And she gave me a quick hug. She said, come on in, take off your shoes, sit in this chair right here and We'll talk when this game's over. And I took off my shoes. I sat in this chair, put my feet up. Next thing you know, I've got some sort of beautiful cocktail in my hand. And we sit there for about, you know, an hour and a half watching baseball with her boyfriend. Uh, Not really talking much, you know, a little comment on on the ball game. But she was totally focused on the game. Uh, So that was cool. That made me really comfortable, you know, and that's the best thing to do with a guest is just say, here, you know, take off your shoes, sit down be comfortable. I'll I'll deal with you when I want to deal with you, you know, that way nobody feels obligated to do anything. So that was great. And I ended up uh, spending the night in her daughter's bed, Aretha. Never met Aretha, but I've slept in her bed and she's beautiful and comes from... Good stock, Aretha, if you're out there. Thank you. Um, Anyway, Susie Bright, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Uh, I'm, as I said, I'm in the Castro Valley. I'm on my way to L.A. for my sister's wedding. Maybe, maybe another shrimp parade. I don't know. I've sent out emails to Duncan and Joe saying I'm going to be in town. But you never know with these people. That's the thing about famous people. They don't answer your damn emails. (laughs) <laughs> anyway uh, yeah so maybe if, if uh, hundreds of you write to Joe and Duncan and say Chris is coming to LA jump on that shit maybe they'll hear you I don't know um, anyway thank you for listening to the podcast it's so cool to have you out there I recorded last week in Florida I recorded some really good ones I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting them together um, a very special episode with my uncle Dan who is one of my heroes, and um, I don't have a lot of heroes, as you may have gathered, but my Uncle Dan is a very special guy, and uh, he agreed to sit down and have a chat uh, and and let me record it, which was super wonderful, um, and I also recorded, I, in Miami, I recorded a few podcasts with... Uh, A couple of marine biologists um, doing really interesting work with coral and uh, so we talked about what's happening in the oceans what's happening with coral reefs um, what some of the potential responses to these things are and uh, what it's like to be a marine biologist which you know it's got to be one of the coolest jobs ever right it's right up there with astronaut and um, I don't know what are the other great jobs, you know, firemen, I guess, little kids think of. But, I mean, marine biologist has just got to be the coolest of all. Um, and then I also did a, a recording there with a guy who's been in the Galapagos Islands for seven years and started a nonprofit. And so we talked about his very interesting career path and the Galapagos and travel and all that stuff. So those are all coming up. I guess that's all I have to say. I'm not going to rant about anything. What is there to rant about? I'm too tired. I'm busy. I'm running around here uh, recording these podcasts. I'll, I'll do a couple more in L.A., hopefully, because that's always ripe podcast territory. So that's it. I'm just going to let you go. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, I'm going to play you out with... This is a little, it's not really a a song, it's just a, a snippet of a song called Mommy, What's a Funkadelic by Parliament Funkadelic. Bye.
2: If you will suck my soul, I will lick your funky emotions.
1: I am sitting in Susie Bright's living room where everyone wishes they were but I am and there are half inflated balloons all over the place (laughs) this is is like walking in the morning after a big party what happened here
0: (laughs) we had a dance along nutcracker yesterday oh really Uh, and it's exactly what it sounds like we play the nutcracker the stars are whoever shows up we have a lot of party and booze and balloons and snowflakes and costumes and masks and uh, everyone collapses into a sweaty pile at the end. I think the real revelation for this year's Dance Along Nutcracker was someone did slow-mo video, which makes even the most clumsy ballerina look quite exquisite. <laughs> 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 <You> know, <laughs> I think you could say all of us had uh, a few years as uh-huh. as preschool ballerinas, but nobody's really kept it up.
1: Right. <laughs> Lapsed ballerinas.
0: <laughs> Lapsed. We all, we shared our stories. And ballet is such a discipline based on rejection and perfection. Mm. I mean that in a fair assessment. Yeah. So quite early on, you're weeded out. I was told I was too tall, get out. You cannot be in the corps de ballet. Y- your head is above all the other girls, goodbye. Mm. And others, of course, for too fat. I mean, one pound over and you were too fat. And um, how do your limbs look? Is your neck long enough? Is your head tiny? Um, They have so many requirements. And even in the smallest of ballet schools, in the tiniest of towns, you will be weeded out and very few will advance. Still, many of us, you fall in love with it. You fall in love with the music, the familiar Tchaikovsky um, yeah. tunes, and you can't wait for that time of year because you just feel like jumping around in your sugar plum outfit.
1: <laughs> do you have a sugar plum
0: outfit? Of course, I do. Oh, geez. Although this year I went as Black Swan, oh, just to be a bitch, and I often have gone to a much greater incantation of this, the San Francisco marching band, which of course now has a longer name, you know, Freedom oh. Day, GLBT, blah, blah, blah band, but let's just say Gay <laughs> Marching Band. Okay. They put this on every year at one of the beautiful venues in San Francisco, so you really will have a couple hundred people in a room with a live band and lots of over-the-top costumes. Mm. That's where I first did this, and I'd go every year if I could. It was so sexy and funny and adorable, and there's like, tiny tots. I got beaten by little girls with magic wands one year <laughs> until I was prostrate on the floor. Oh, boy. But I figured we can do this at home. I mean, I'm dancing anyway mm-hmm. at this time of year. Oh, You, are, you are a festive person. I am a festive person, and I do a lot of singing and dancing in the shower. I'm that kind of a gal. <laughs>
1: Those are the best gals. You, I mean, I don't know you very well, but right from the beginning, I was surprised by little glimpses I got into your character. I, I was referring before we turned on the mic the first time. The reason I know you is, I guess, Sex at Dawn came out. You asked me to be on your... You would like, a serious XM radio thing. Do you still do that?
0: I do. In uh, bed
1: with Susie Bray? Is that what
0: it was called? I've done a show for... 15 years called In Bed with Susie Bright for Audible.com. Oh, it's
1: Audible. That's Mm -hmm. what it is, right. Audible.com, ladies and gentlemen. Owned by Amazon. You can use my Amazon affiliate link. (laughs) So how is it working for Audible?
0: Uh, I I love doing my podcast, probably for some of the same reasons you enjoy doing yours every week. Uh, I cover different items about Sexual politics and erotic forensics in the news
1: Erotic forensics that's a phrase. I don't think I've ever heard.
0: I made it up wow. <laughs> Sometimes you struggle to explain to people what you're doing
1: yeah. and so takes what is uh, unpack? Uh, erotic forensics for us
0: an example of erotic forensics is when you have a news event like the Paris bombings where everyone wondered why did these people do this why did they kill so many people what was the motive and you're going to have analysts from all over the world and my immediate reaction is someone has to look at it from the sexual psychology or pathology of such an event right and when i read their manifesto word for word the the attackers left behind a big letter i was very interested in how they specifically picked a bohemian place Mm. and they used many phrases and words about condemning what you might call free love or sexual permission. Uh, There was this hurt sense that you got of someone who was like, well, no one would fuck me here and I'm going to show you all. (laughs) That's a crude way of putting it. but that sensibility was uh, clicking on my radar uh, of sexual repression and sexual shame turning into anger and violence and this isn't um, anything new to those who study human sexuality but no one else was saying it and it was so forward to me they didn't pick a hospital, a garrison, a government building they picked a place where Young people get together and have fun and try get high and have sex. <laughs>
1: so it's a party they weren't invited to. Exactly. Yeah.
0: A fun free party where, um, yeah.
1: And where women are empowered and not ashamed. Yes. Yeah.
0: Where yeah. women have sex with whoever they say right. yes to. Right. And so on. So that was a, that's an example, but it could be something. Um, it could be something more whimsical when I go see Star Wars since uh, everyone is captivated by th- that movie this season. Um, I'll go see it, and I'm sure there'll be some sexual idea I'll mm. have about the film, and then I get to introduce that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I obviously I, I see the world through much the same prism. And relating to your example, I really think... That that's an underlying cause of so much of what's going on, including in this country with the mass shootings.
0: Oh, of course. It's almost
1: always young men. Who is the guy? Well,
0: it's often explicit. Um, yeah. The man who I'll just,
1: die a virgin.
0: Yeah, they'll die a virgin, or you have the angry older fellow, like the one who just shot up the Planned Parenthood right. parking lot. He didn't kill anybody in Planned Parenthood, but he killed lots of mothers and fathers and young people in the parking lot, and. When they started uncovering his story, well, he was thwarted and frustrated in many respects, down on his luck economically, um, had a habit of acquiring wives under deceptive means, abandoning them, having very strict rules for how they had to behave, Mm -hmm. but breaking them all himself. He had ads online looking for women who liked rough, kinky, SM sex. (laughs) and you thought to yourself if only you could have had a healthy sm lifestyle (laughs) wouldn't we all have been better off but uh no his his rage i mean what a joke he was screaming about unborn babies as he fired off his rounds killing parents with young children who will now never see their mom and dad again he'd already abandoned several children he'd had with his numerous marriages it's unfair to keep remembering the stupid things they yell in their moment of ecstasy, because it's just so maddening.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's and, and the the mixture of gun culture and uh, sexual
0: frustration is it's a little dangerous.
1: Explosive. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, he, mental illness is. Uh, A problem all on its own that we're not dealing with very well at all. But with, everyone knows this, I'm sure who's listening, with access to weapons where no one gives a crap what your record is, and he had quite a record. Hmm. It didn't stop him from having a stockpile of an army. He was was an accident waiting to happen.
1: I was listening to a podcast a couple of... uh, days ago with, do you know who Maron is?
0: Sure, of course. Yeah,
1: so he was talking to Flea, the bass player from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. and, and another bass player, I don't remember, but another prominent, you know, rock and roll star. And he says, so, you know what? Uh, how did you guys get into playing rock and roll? Because Flea played trumpet, bass, uh, jazz trumpet, because his mm-hmm. dad was a jazz musician, and and the other I don't remember, but both of them said, "Oh man, you know, meet girls." So it was, you know, I was twelve, and I, like I really I knew I needed a way to meet girls because I was young, I was small, I wasn't you know an athlete, and and you think about like how many, particularly in rock and roll, how many guys pick up a guitar as a way to meet women, right? And so I was thinking, what would the world look like if sex were easy and free and healthy and relaxed? Mm-hmm. Like, would there be rock and roll? You know, there wouldn't be a lot of these explosions of violence. Uh, there wouldn't be Taliban, you know? there. You know James Prescott's paper about the correlation of uh, violence and sexual frustration across cultures. He, was a, he wrote this paper as a meta-analysis where he looked at all the cultures for which there was enough data in the anthropological data bank. And what he wanted to see was, is there a relationship between, let's see, on the one side it was um, the amount of contact between a mother and infant, so Mm -hmm. how long was their breastfeeding and were the infants carried a lot and Mm -hmm. picked up when they cried or were they put in a crib and said you know cry it out Mm -hmm. you know and um freedom of expression of sexual teenage sexual behavior Mm -hmm. on the one side on the other side it was um, interpersonal violence and intercultural violence and he found that in all the societies except one and i think he had 26 in his data Um, the correlation was highly significant so the more sexual frustration there is the more violence there is in a society which makes you think look around the world at the societies that are most violent and aggressive they're also the ones that are most sexually repressed and I include ours in Mm -hmm. that you know you don't get like people who are getting laid aren't causing problems Generally,
0: Yeah, they're too busy with their dance-along nutcracker.
1: <laughs> the parties that end in a sweaty heap, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, I thought you were going to ask me if I became a writer to get girls. I thought that's where
1: that was leading. <laughs> well, I would never. I would never do so. That's certainly why I became a writer. <laughs> Is that why you became a writer?
0: <laughs> no, I was just thinking about how it's not often that writers are the beloved pop star. I mean, there have been no time... Not anymore. Yeah.
1: And not in America. Exactly. In France, we'd be doing much better.
0: There's certainly times and places where to be a poet was the beyond and end all yeah. of sex appeal. But... Um, oh, yeah. I still... I, I wonder... If, what's going to happen now that I'm too old to imagine I'm going to do all the things I dreamed of when I was little but I wanted to play electric guitar I wanted to do all the, the sexy pieces I was disappointed when I was invited to take up an instrument and it was classical and I was like no, no, no I don't want to play the flute <laughs> <laughs> I want to be part of my generation
1: <laughs> Yeah, the flute
0: I think writing came easily to me, though, um, because my family was involved in language and writing, and as much as Flea might have thought it was just his hormones. The fact that he came from a musical family, yeah. I'm sure gave him tremendous confidence and entree right. into that world.
1: And familiarity, mm-hmm. you know? I, I, like you, I grew up in a house where books were everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big a leap to think, yeah, I could, maybe I can do one of those you know, someday, or at least be proficient in language. Yeah, just one language, though. I'm terrible in foreign languages. <laughs> my wife speaks seven
0: I know you're getting away with murder. <laughs>
1: yeah. you've
0: got an enabler
1: uh, oh for my for my lack of linguistics yeah. yeah yeah she translates in me into seven language. I translate her seven languages into English <laughs> yeah, so how old were you when you first published something?
0: I have a couple different answers to that um first thing I ever distributed to the public beyond a classroom or or my childhood bedroom was when Ronald Reagan was running for governor of California Mm -hmm. and I saw how distraught my mother was at the thought of him winning. Um, This is Reagan who later went on to become a famous conservative Republican president and she was, you know, part of the civil rights movement and a feminist she despised him but i was 10 or 9 9 what what year was that i was getting 68 anyway i made up an anonymous pamphlet about why you shouldn't vote for reagan and how it would be the end of the world and of course i didn't have any copying ability i just had this red crayon and so i made six of them <laughs> and then i was really scared someone was going to catch me yeah. and i waited for a moment when no one was around and put them in everyone's mailbox Seriously? closed my eyes hope for the best that's hilarious <laughs> uh I mean, it wasn't until high school that i was um
1: was there any blowback on that
0: who knows no i never oh. knew what happened so it's just
1: the neighbors you, you,
0: yeah only well, neighbors in los that, angeles that must have
1: been hilarious yeah
0: can you imagine why like this red crayon <laughs> Scrawling, stop Reagan, he's really bad.
1: And, and they must have thought, who was he running against? Was it Jerry Brown's father or something?
0: I think it was Unruh, believe it or not, that um, name comes to mind. But
1: so, I mean, I would have thought this, like the the opposing campaign had done this. You know, like, you know, some sort of... <laughs> it was
0: obviously a child. It was a crayon. I hand folded the paper. <laughs> <laughs> Many years later, I got involved Volunteers. in the 1970s underground high school newspaper scene. Yeah. I was part of a paper in L.A. called The Red Tide that actually became pretty pretty famous. We sued the, the Board of Ed. We were involved in taking a caravan to Wounded Knee. We wow. got um, scab, lettuce, and grapes out of West Los Angeles. We were busy little beavers. We did a lot of work there. And... Um, we published regularly. That's where I learned how to make a newspaper from soup to nuts back right. when it was not a digital affair. And I haven't stopped publishing since. I, I didn't get make a living from writing until the 80s, which took me by surprise. It had always been part of my activism or my, my creative whims. And I was publishing on our backs, and I got a phone call. Uh, someone had seen this crazy lesbian sex magazine and said, "Do you want to come work for Penthouse?"
1: Yeah nice. At the time. That was Penthouse was
0: big. Penthouse was huge and they had a, Staple of magazines, including one called Forum, which was mostly writing and very oriented towards men and women. It had a, I remember a Forum. 50-50. It was a smaller
1: format. Yes, right? yeah, exactly. like a paperback book size.
0: Yes, and it had sexy letters and fantasies, but it also had very earnest sex education yeah, stories.
1: I I I read that. I don't. I didn't subscribe. I was you know, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I remember at the time thinking, like, okay, this, this is more my kind of thing. Because, yeah, it's sexy, but it's thinking. It's not just pictures and, you know, fake boobs. It's,
0: well, they yeah. asked me to be their blue movie reporter, to be their erotic film critic. Nice. And I said, do you know who I am? Do you know where I'm coming from? I mean, I'm a feminist. I do really outlier sex publishing and the editor Jack Hyden we said, oh I know, that's the point, I can't wait, and a <laughs> uh, breath of fresh air, and that was a tremendous break at the time, writing a monthly column and working as a reporter uh, could be the way you made a living, so I quit yeah. my day job, and, and the rest is history.
1: Yeah, how long were you there?
2: Hmm.
0: I think it was about Three years, three mm. years or so, until Haydn left And by then I was doing um, a lot of books. So I, you know, I worked as a reporter and journalist at times and other times as an author or an editor.
1: And this was what year, mid-70s? No, this is the 80s. Oh, in the 80s, mm-hmm. okay, right. Uh, oh no, I'm thinking wounded knee. That was in the early 70s. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm moving quickly. Yeah,
1: I jumped a decade I there. I jumped a decade. I, I'm sorry. I was it's early. I've only had one coffee. That's all right. Um yeah, do you know that here's some big news for you? Okay. I'm up for an AVN award.
0: No kidding. Yeah so that three-way scene really really caught their eye
1: it uh <laughs> it caught the attention of the uh, best buns The Oscar. no <laughs> what did you do <laughs> i'm nominated for uh best non-sex performance
0: no kidding it's The
1: story of my life
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely thrilling yeah I'm, what's the name of the film and who are you up against
1: well i'm up against so to speak i'm up against ron jeremy
0: Ooh, tough, mm, tough, tough competition. Tough, yeah, but he always wins.
1: You know, he's can't, the Meryl Streep of AVN. Can't
0: there be room for someone else?
1: <laughs> Fresh talent, um, Dick Chibbles. Don't, don't know him. Don't know him, but I love his name. Uh, Small hands. Don't know who that is either, but he or she was in Ronda Arouse me, a UFC reference. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie was called, or is called, Marriage 2.0. And it's, um, it's a film, you know, as, as you know as well as anyone, every once in a while someone comes up with the idea of making an erotic film that's also mainstream, mm-hmm. they're going to bridge the gap, mm-hmm. that, that's what this was attempting to do, uh, so Cassie and I had uh, cameos in the movie as ourselves. And the whole, it was like, uh, it's about a couple who are trying to open up their relationship and going through the sort of typical jealousy and challenges that people often go through. And the woman in the couple is a documentary filmmaker, so as a way to sort of try to understand what she's going through, she decides to make a film about, like, what's happening at, you know, New relationship models, or whatever, and so she interviews me for her movie within the movie. Mm-hmm. That's essentially the conceit. And uh, so Nina Hartley's in it, and um, India Summer, and ryan driller i think his name is so
0: and the awards are coming up in january so you've only got a few more days to campaign
1: <clears throat> i haven't been campaigning <laughs> uh, should i be sending fruit you baskets be, to you somebody? should have
0: a budget <laughs> you should be doing major promotional really? work
1: well this is it this is all i'm doing right here <laughs> I'm, I'm bragging to you no i mean that's enough for my resume just being nominated <laughs> you know is
0: reach for the stars chris <laughs>
1: I try to keep my expectations low. I I mean, my God, being nominated for a porn award? I mean, <laughs> I don't even have a mantle. Where would I put it if I won? Yeah. Oh,
0: well... So,
1: and we were planning, we, you know, we're going to be in Thailand if, if the passport agency, you know, renews Cassie's passport in time. We're going to be in Thailand anyway, so we're not going to Vegas.
0: All right, well, you can have a... The luxury of an abroad experience. I'm okay.
1: sending an American Indian to pick up the award for me.
0: Little Littlefeather. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. If she's
1: available, <laughs> I'd like her to pick it up for me. <laughs> for people who don't get the reference, that's uh, Marlon Brando sent uh, her to pick up his award for his Oscar for.
0: Apocalypse uh, Now. Was it? Or was it The Godfather? I
1: you think it was The Godfather, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he wasn't, uh, Apocalypse Now was sort of, that was late, that was 80s, right? And this was around the time of Wounded Knee, I think.
0: You're getting me all mixed up between my autobiography and Coppola's (laughs) biography.
1: And Marlon (laughs) Brando's, exactly.
0: Well, the other thing I'm doing these days, and this is why I am going to um, have to say farewell to you pretty soon, is Uh I'm... In the middle of a writing retreat, and I am—I'm on a very tough schedule. It's very monk-like.
1: Really? Yes. Oh, well, thank you for—I didn't know that. That's—I hate to interrupt anyone's monk retreat.
0: Oh, I'll jump right back into it. I have so, to get my what are you doing? chapter done today. Well, I have to come back on your show another time and talk about it. There's a—there's an Omerta. Smart. Uh, uh, Smart. But the idea is just that. I have a few weeks to do nothing but this. Ah, good and that for you. is a is a great luxury. The luxury of time.
1: Yeah. Well, we were talking earlier about how I blew through a bunch of deadlines because I was trying to do 15 different things and write a book. Mm -hmm. And the book was always sort of, I'll get to it after I finish these other things that are immediately necessary.
0: And there's always another
2: thing.
1: There are always so many things. And so I vowed next book, you know, do the research, have everything lined up, and then I'll rent a cabin somewhere and go there alone and write the book Mm -hmm. in three months or whatever it is ride that wave of enthusiasm while it's strong Mm -hmm. and you know not uh, not try to drag it out and make it a part-time job so good for you
0: i will see you um next year sometime i bet either Mm. i'll invite you when your book gets closer to publication and we can talk on
1: yeah next autumn it'll be next autumn Yeah, yeah who's bringing it out Simon and & Schuster
0: And do you have a title?
1: Civilized to Death
0: Civilized to Death Yeah Very nice
1: The subtitle, I hope, will be Why Everything's Amazing But Nobody's Happy Oh, that's
0: so true <laughs> See, so I think it resonates true.
1: The publisher, my editor, is, he's edging toward some other things He likes uh, In Search of a Prehistoric Path into the Future Good God, no! Yeah, it seems kind of clunky to me.
0: No, yeah. what you said, it's a winner. Believe me, yeah. I'm a publisher. D- don't don't w- yeah. move.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you know how they are. With they they went keywords in the subtitle so that when you do searches, the book will pop up and all that. So it's they're looking at things that aren't language. You know, they're looking at other m- sort of digital. Fine. metrics.
0: You're going to have metadata, and it's going to describe the keywords of your book. Yeah. But you need to have a title that. Uh, comes easily to the lips and is memorable. Civilized to death is great, and that's going to be the main. The subtitle is very good as well. Yeah. Well, I hope I have a title to um, try on you by next <laughs> year. That, that'll be my ambition. I won't.
1: I won't try to uh, break the uh, omerta. Well, thank you very much. Where where, where do people find your podcast? And?
0: Find me uh, in bed with Susie Bright. Uh, anywhere. On Audible, you'll find me. Just look up my name, or you can go to my website, suzybright.com, and you'll see exactly what I'm up to.
1: Great. Thanks for taking some time.
0: Of course. Clits up.
1: <laughs> Clits up, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com or FundWhatYouLove.com. on either of which you can decide how much you want to give the podcast a buck a month five bucks a month 10 bucks a month or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more or you can give nothing if you don't have any cash don't worry about it other people are covering your load so you're going to be good just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends the other way you can support the podcast is If you buy shit through amazon.com or you know someone who does, please direct them through the link on my page, chrisryanphd.com. You click on that baby once, bookmark the landing page on Amazon, and then 8 to 10% of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones. Thank you to Basin and Range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast. Very funky little tune there. Uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search Tangentially Speaking, all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, Thanks to Shore Design T-shirts. Our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. And Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those T-shirts out to you if you order them. Everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design T-shirts in Thailand. And you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at carseyblanton.com. C-A-R-S-I-E-B-L-A-N-T-O-N.com She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear Which is called Smoke Alarm And it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem While you still can Because, ladies and gentlemen You're gonna die one day Here's to you, Bennett
2: He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you wanna feel Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to what's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone I don't wanna give the end away But we're gonna die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play? Let's go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms, we'll dance into the ground.